I felt like that. Like I could be involved in this passionate disciple-making ministry. I could see that God had a purpose for the Great Commission. I so much wanted to be involved with that, but at the same time feel so gosh blang insecure and what where are these feelings coming from and uh you know why do i struggle so much with people pleasing and God, and i remember okay i'm not going to people please and i try so hard not to people please but then i would end up doing it all the more and uh you know for me it was rooted back into my relationship with my dad and from a very young age i carried away from my relationship with my dad a sense that there was something wrong with me and i wouldn't have put it in those terms back then but i carried that sense of myself into all my relationships and what God, through some people, led me into prayer, needed to do was just to share with me how he saw me. Hey, Into the Harvest friends, John here for Into the Harvest. It's great to be with you today. I can't tell you how excited I am to have a good friend of mine with me uh, by the name of Jim Smith. And Jim and I have known each other for 20 years. He is a seasoned disciple maker, helped me get started in my walk with Jesus when I decided I was going to be for real following Jesus. Thankful for the time that I had with him and his family in their home. Uh, but before we get started and kind of jump into our topic, um, I'd really like just to give Jim a chance to talk about who he is and how he's been designed by God. Also to talk about his family and kind of what what kind of they're doing in life right now to follow Jesus and proclaim Jesus everywhere they go. Yeah, thanks, John. I appreciate that. And uh, you might be a, um, sorry that you gave me a chance to talk about myself because it's actually my favorite topic. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm married. I've been married for, let's see. Got to get this right. Almost 24 years and have three daughters, um, one in college, one in high school, one finishing up middle school. Um, so we kind of have a foot in all three. And uh, we had we've been with the Navigators for the last about 20 years or so and um, been an exciting journey making disciples uh, on that front. Um, going to be some transition coming up here and we're moving to North Carolina and we're really excited about that. Going to move into a new phase in our lives on that front. But I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, Jim. Um, yeah. So we talk a lot about helping people have the convictions, confidence, and clarity to, to make disciples and be a disciple of Jesus and how, how much life really kind of just throws everything at you. And then convictions, which are supposed to be these things that are rock solid, become these big question marks, you know, and then oh, I'm, I just lose confidence. And then, man, I, I don't even mm -hmm. know what I should be saying or what I should be doing as a disciple maker. But even so, even when some of those things exist, we've also learned that as life throws things at you, there's just more of it. It, it gets more challenging. It's more. So both of us have this just real strong desire Um yeah, to see people walk with Jesus for a lifetime, be used of him for a lifetime, and recognize that that's very rare. So we've all, both you and I, mm -hmm. Andrew and the team at ITH, we've all invested in people and a whole lot less of those people are still walking with Jesus and continuing to proclaim his message. Um, so I wonder yeah, if, if you true. could kind of share your unique perspective, your story on how mm -hmm. God's designed you and how that links with being a counselor, a licensed counselor, but also making disciples. Yeah. I, uh, I tell, uh, when I, uh, kind of teach on design and fit and life and ministry, I share a story about, um, 
myself as a military policeman, young man, when uh, I realized I'm not in a good fit. Um, I remember pulling over this woman for speeding as an MP, I was an MP on Fort Knox, Kentucky in the, in the mid nineties. And I pulled this woman over for speeding and she was crying and just uh, beside herself and everything in me was on fire. It was aching. And I was just like, it's okay. It's okay. You're, you're fine. Go ahead and go. And my female partner was like, don't listen to that. I can't believe you did that. Oh my gosh. Like, and, uh, <laughs> and then there was another time that, um, there was a shoplifter from the PX who had sprinted and they had just mentioned over the radio that this guy had a shoplifter left the PX. And I'm like, I saw him, I saw him running across and he was, and I'm at, I saw him jump into a bush and, and they're like, Roger, uh, be advised, tell, what was he wearing? And I remember thinking, because I'm such an intuitive personality and I'm, I'm not very uh, observant. I remember I said, uh, Roger, be advised. I don't know. And then the desk sergeant came back on, you don't know. <laughs> uh, I just thought, yeah, being an MP is not, is not for me. So as a feeler and as an intuitive personality, that was not a good job for me to be in, but it's a great job when you want to come alongside people and understand their emotional brokenness and their pain and come alongside them. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, man. Thanks. That's awesome. So I think you had actually gotten out of the military by the time I had met you, you were going to college. Um, but my, some of my first earliest memories of you is, uh, we took a super long road trip, uh, to St. Louis. I had just PCS in, I'd moved from Germany to Fort Campbell, Kentucky, and you guys jumped in a car with me, drove all the way up to uh, St. Louis to grab my truck. But for the very first time, I'd been around Christians who were who just didn't like do small talk. You know, it was you and Andrew in the car. Um, and I remember you guys asking me questions like, well, has God taught you anything out of the Bible lately? Or what do you think God may want you to do with your mm -hmm. life? Or and those I was like, man, these guys, one, I felt like you're really intense. So that was one. Um, but the second thing that I, that I picked up was that, man, these guys actually really care about me and not in like just kind of the surface level, but in a pretty major way, they want to help me walk with Jesus and take Jesus very seriously. So that was a Thursday and Thursday night, apparently at that point was when God said every Bible study should exist. So Thursday night, you guys drove me up there. And actually, I think all of you guys, even as small group leaders were late getting back to the study just to help me. I thought, man, these guys are actively engaged in helping people walk with Jesus, but They'll make a sacrifice to help me um, just in a very practical way. And at that point, I was like, man, these guys are for real. They love Jesus. And you and Paige opened up your home to me and so many others during that season of life. And it was such, such a blessing. So I'm, I'm really thankful for God bringing you into my life. Um, so you've, at that point, you were a history teacher, I yeah. think, or getting ready to finish up college. And um, so now you, yeah. you're a licensed yep, counselor. Right. I was you're a history practitioner teacher at the time. Yeah. Is that right? Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So now you're, um, you've, you've obviously taught a little while. You also went back to school, became a licensed counselor. You've been an active disciple maker. How do you feel like those two things come together, being a counselor, being a disciple maker, and how have you seen God use those? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, um, uh, there was always, uh, for me early on, just a battle between mission and I guess you could say emotional health. Um, and I could see uh, the problems of emotional health rearing their head, but I was also really passionate about the mission of making disciples and seeing people become like Christ. 
And to me, those things butted heads and I didn't know how to integrate them. I remember a time at our uh, local Bible study, um, we called it Search the Scriptures, STS, and um, that we were kind of rallying about the next up and coming leaders. And, you know, it's like we we're shaking sabers and this guy walks into the middle of the room with like a gash on down his side and blood was kind of leaking all over the floor. And I'm like, does anybody else see this? And in my own insecurities at the time, I didn't speak up and thought, well, this is probably not. And those were the guys that um, crashed pretty soon after. And I think God really used that to tell me, Jim, you re- I've made you for a purpose and I need you to, you know, I made, you know, made you to speak up like this. And so um, since I've really seen how um, just woundedness from the past, traumatic experiences from the past that really claw at the, our sense of self, carry on into the present. And if we don't slow down and deal with some of those or even conflicts that come up and we try to move past or avoid, um, we're in a bad place to continue lifelong. Um, and uh, you know, I'm just really thankful the Lord's allowed me the chance to kind of go back and do some work in terms of how do you come alongside somebody with that? How do you help them discover those things? And how do you, what really brings change in those places? Matt, Jim, that's so good. You, you kind of made fun about, you know, being an MP who, who didn't want to dull out punishment. But then also you kind of talked about, you know, just being intuitive, having kind of a, a sixth sense about people and what's going on and maybe not being detail oriented. But what you're not also highlighting is some of the strengths that God's given you, you know, which, which is super cool. You know, so isn't that the beauty of the kingdom? Isn't that the beauty of body of Christ that he's designed each of us differently? We get to bring that together for the good of all like second Corinthians talks about just such a yeah. powerful Amen. picture of the body. And I know that you've done that for me and you've done that for so many other people. So I, I actually wanted to read a quote to you and I'll, I'll let you kind of take it from there. But um, it's, it's from a guy that we both um, have read and learned a lot from. And he says this, um, Pete Scazzaro is his name. It is impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. So I'll read it yeah. again for, for our listeners. It is impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And so just that picture that um, we can think we're actually actively doing all these things, being very missional with God, and that can look good for a while. It can look good even for a long while. But eventually some of those things that come up from our past really can take us out of the fight and actually become to be this place where Satan uses those. So, yeah, I wonder if you could just speak into that. How do we... Even as we're in the scriptures, even as we're engaging in Bible study, as we're sharing our faith, sharing the gospel, as we're out engaging with in fellowship with folks and staying encouraged, how can yep. we also make sure we're kind yep. of digging down into that level uh, to see where, where some of our woundedness comes from? Yeah, such a great question, John. This is me. Like, you know, I, um, you know, 20 years ago, I remember, um, man, man, no, I'm all, no more than 20 now, 1999. I try not to do math openly in front of people. But um, I yeah, don't do it in public. That's I remember um, <laughs> um, I uh, I felt like that, like um, I could be involved in this passionate disciple making ministry. I could see that God had a purpose for the Great Commission. I so much wanted to be involved with that, but at the same time feel so gosh, blank insecure. And what, where are these feelings coming from? And, uh, you know, why do I struggle so much with people pleasing? And God, And I remember. Okay, I'm not going to people please. And I try so hard not to people please, but then I would end up doing it all the more. And, uh, 
you know, for me, it was rooted back into my relationship with my dad. And from a very young age, I carried away from my relationship with my dad a sense that there was something wrong with me. And I wouldn't have put it in those terms back then, but I carried that sense of myself into all my relationships. And what God, through some people, led me into prayer, needed to do was just to share with me how he saw me. And one of the most powerful questions I have people ask is just like, have you ever slowed down and just ask God, how do you see me? And uh, I remember in some powerful places of pain, God called me his beloved son with whom he's well pleased. And uh, it was such a powerful healing times to really in prayer meet with the Lord and hear him tell me how he saw me. It just defied how I saw myself, how I thought others were seeing me and gave me a lot of freedom. And uh, yeah, I think a lot of us, we don't even know, but we carry with us. And one of the questions, um, you know, I think somebody turned it on to me when I was a young man, but he said, hey, if you believed a lie, how would you know it? Because to you, you believe it. And, um, and as I've thought more about that question, I think I have an answer that um, if I believed a lie, I would have emotional reactions in moments that, that defy understanding. Like, why do I have these emotional experiences in moments? And ultimately, it's because I believe something about myself underneath. Um, and to me, it's true. Whether or not, you know, it is true is to be seen. So, um, yeah, um, I had a, I had kind of a, a picture of, um, you know, uh, why emotion, God, you know, and for me, um, emotion reveals what I believe. Um, we like to think what we think guides us more than what we really um, feel or believe. But I think that what we experience in life at an early age has an effect on us and marks us in ways that define kind of is on the operating system, so to speak, and creates belief systems. And how we tap into what we really believe is um, we're running into things and we're reacting to things and our emotions come up and those emotions show, hey, there's things I'm believing in this moment right now. And this is an indication of an invitation by God to slow down and really do some work in these places, these experiences early on that have created um, some of these negative beliefs about myself and others. Yeah. Wow. Jim, man, there's, there's so much in there. Like, you know, just, just how we respond. And if we respond kind of disproportionately to whatever the stimulus is, maybe that's an indicator of a lie. Um, man, that, that's so good. I also just think we, we kind of throw the idea of holistic discipleship around quite a bit. Um, like we're trying to disciple the whole person. Um, and, and Jesus, when he's asked about what it looks like to actually obey him in Matthew 22, you know, he, he's asked, um, the Pharisees heard that he had um, silenced the Sadducees. They gathered together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. This is Matthew 22, 36. Now, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your mind. Oh, excuse me, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, this is the great and foremost commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbors yourself. There's a similar kind of thinking in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. He's telling a story, but he also says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, you know, it sounds like so much of discipleship where it's very easy to kind of do behavior modification, you know, add a quiet time, do Bible study, attend church, um, 
when sometimes what that actually does is it actually can preclude you from actually really wrestling through with the deeper issues of following after Jesus. So I just wondered if, if you had some tools, like as yeah. you talked about this idea of slowing down, um, I think you, you'd also, and we talked earlier about the, the idea of journaling. Um, so just what are some mm-hmm. tools that might, might help yeah. us think through how do we actually begin to move beyond just kind of behavior modification, doing spiritual activities, but also then actually getting to the root behind why we feel the way we do. Yeah. So I, um, I often in my practice, um, I'm, and in just, um, some pastoral counseling places, I'm running into, uh, leaders who, um, feel very convicted deeply about what they're um, designed to do and what they're called to do. Um, but they've kind of blow past those internal um, warning lights that say, hey, um, you need to slow down. Um, and I found two verses that I really use to first help people have awareness from God's perspective. What, what, are we, what does he really want in, uh, in these places? And one of those is um, Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. And man, it's I just use this passage over and over and over just helping some of these folks um, learn to slow down. It says, you know, Jesus is talking and he says to the uh, 11 or 12 that are with him, you know, he says, um, and wouldn't you know it? Um, oh, there it goes. My scripture memory popped on and off there. Does it now in my old age? Uh, but it says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Uh, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And what I just um, kind of share with a lot of these leaders is that, you know, to slow down, to rest, to learn to come to Christ and hear what he puts on you as his yoke, because it could quite possibly be you're putting on a yoke of your own expectation, um, your own uh, what you think, or it could be you're responding to the expectations of others. But what we really need to do is slow down and listen to the Lord and put on his yoke. And Jesus promises with our design in mind, his yoke is easy and his yoke is light. Um, and uh, I love that passage. It just requires slowing down, coming back, taking stock, listening to the Lord over this. Um, but I also like this passage in First John um, chapter 3. And um, I'm going to look it up so I don't look like a goob trying to say it quote it, but he's talking uh, in eight, verse 318 about, um, let us not love in word or tongue, but indeed in truth. And then he goes on, he says, we shall know by this that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. Beloved, if our hearts does not con- do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Um, and he goes on, but I just try to share with them that there is a possible place in the scriptures here. It, it is illuminated that you could be condemning yourself and God is not. And um, he wants you to slow down and really take stock with him. You're not the ultimate arbiter of whether you're right or you're wrong. You're on track or you're not. We really need to slow down and listen to him and hear what he has to say and live by his standards. Um, and so those are just two passages that get us into that. Um, but you asked about practicals. Um, I really think most guys, not always, but most guys, um, are a bit avoidant of their emotional experience. 
So um, when you're secure, the difference between a secure and insecure person emotionally really is they have all the same emotions that everybody else does. It's just when they have them, they can actually connect to them and tell you about them. An insecure person generally will avoid their emotions or will be flooded with them and push them out and blame somebody else for them. Um, and I think most men struggle with avoiding their emotional experience. They um, will disconnect, distract, kind of show up in their heads and try to fix and help. Um, and what really helps is if they can slow down and just, um, you know, grab a journal. If something happens that's negative and they're like, okay, wait a minute. I know I have emotions here. I don't know how to really understand what I'm supposed to do with them. Okay, this person said something. I remember feeling my body tighten and then I, I just got really weird in front of them. Okay, great. Can you just take an emotional snapshot of that moment? Back away, go to the bathroom, maybe sit on the toilet and just write down. This is what happened. This is where it hit in my body. I felt it clenching in my stomach. And then just take a second and listen to that sensation in your stomach. Like, what is it trying to tell me? What's the warning it's trying to give me? Write that down. Great. Now you're becoming more aware of what's happening. And the more and more you do that, maybe even bringing that forward to talk through it with somebody else, you're becoming emotionally more connected to your own body to be able to sink, sit down and be able to move forward. And that's going to be the key to then work on those emotional experiences is first getting into awareness of them. So that's the first step I just tell people is to how to become more aware of what's happening. And the body really keeps the score. You got to go into your body and stay with what's happening, what's coming up in your body. Man, that's so good. I mean, it really takes us back to that Matthew 22 passage, doesn't it, Jim? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, strength. You know, as you think through that, it's I'm engaging my body as I think about what's happening inside my mind, what's happening within my soul and in my heart. Yeah. Um, and, and how all of those things work together because the Lord has created our bodies. You know, we are, you know, we do walk around in humanly form and all those things do end up becoming these cues for us as we follow Jesus. Yep. I, I really like that. I think that's really good. I, I've heard it. I've heard um, an army guy um, say that um, when he's in a bad mood, that he needs to explore that bad mood. So mm. why am I grouchy right now? Yeah. And, and what he would realize is, is that he's mad at his soldiers because of a, a mistake they made. But then he's going home grouchy towards his wife and his kids. Mm. And what actually set, sets him up for failure in terms of doing these other things that God's asking to be faithful to, like being a father and being a good husband, is set out yeah. of kind of out of kilter because he's allowing something else to 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 project his emotions oh, on a place where he feels like he can control more than he can at work. Right. So how can I actually think about, man, why am I bad? That's why am I in a bad really mood good. right now? Okay. Uh, this happened. So this good, happened. And then this happened. Mm -hmm. um, so man, and a how good normal reminded me of a quote. Say again. And how normal that is for all of us, right? Like every one of us has that experience happen. Um, yeah. Like, what the heck? Why am I so upset? Yeah. Yeah. I love that, that he's so, and I, when I hear a guy say that, I just feel like, wow, that's great, bro. Like you're gaining self insight. You're really becoming self-aware of what's happening. And now that's the first step to kind of turning it around. Yeah. So good. And until that point, you really have no hope, right? Cause you're not even connecting stimulus with response. And so a real good friend of ours reminded me of a quote recently and you know, Whoever quoted it, sorry, I can't say give you credit for it, but um, 
but our friend John Kreitzer, he said that what what actually makes us created in the image of God is that we can we have time between stimulus and response. We actually mm. have the ability to stop, pause, pray, let the spirit engage us, quote a scripture yep. before we actually react to a stimulus. Yep. So if you've ever been driving in your car and you yep. see a squirrel run out in front of your car, they have no way to actually respond to stimulus. They just kind of, uh, you know, everything is knee jerk and real fast. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, you watch a deer look at the yep. headlights of a vehicle. They just react to the stimulus and the response is automatic. That is not true for us yep. as humans, but it's even less true for us as Holy Spirit filled people. So if we can right. stop and use those op opportunities to really think I think that moves us yeah. into this place where we actually do the Matthew twenty two thirty seven through 40, love the Lord our God with everything within us. Beautiful. And that, uh, I love that. If we want laborers to have conviction, confidence, clarity, um, to, to be a disciple, make disciples everywhere they go for as long as they go there, this will be an important part of that. Yeah. So I just think that's, that's so important. So thanks for drawing yeah. that out. I don't know if you'd have yeah. anything to add to that part of it. Yeah. Um, you know, what you said is, you know, especially when I do couples counseling, um, it's always what the other person does becomes the trigger for what's happening inside of you emotionally. And then you do something to take care of yourself and that becomes the trigger for them. And there's always these cycles that you see in couples. But one of the things I do when I um, when I work with couples is to slow that trigger down and look at what's really happening inside in those split second moments when all that hits you really quickly. Um, and I realize that, um, you know, time and again with couples that it's what comes for us in those moments and we lose the ability to like what John says is that the space and time between stimulus and response to, to be able to have that moment um, where trauma enters in, it steals those moments so that, that that space is almost like I don't have a choice and I become almost animalistic in my response to protect myself. Um, you know, the, the, uh, if this was your brainstem into your brain, the, the parts of the brain that surround the brainstem it are, is your emotional center. Um, we call it the limbic system. And all it's designed to do is basically keep you safe and send signals down um, the, the brainstem into the body where you feel that constriction, that hard breath. Um, all of that is meant to keep you safe. And under, under threat, um, the rest of the brain gets locked out and we become reactionary. And all we have access to in those moments uh, is our limbic system, our emotional center that's reacting to keep us safe. And that's when somebody says they quote unquote feel triggered or they see red, they don't feel like they have control of themselves. And those are the moments that we really, if that's happening to somebody, we've got to help them slow down and say, bro, one, this is healthy. Your body is doing what God designed it to do to keep you safe. Two, something happened to you that's coming up into the present moment that you're losing that space to be able to react and slow down and breathe and make those choices. Um, and that's what we call trauma. And we really need to look at that um, because you're not choosing this. It's quote unquote coming for you. Um, and to help couples see that those moments where we mutually trigger each other are actually things are coming for us. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like that's, that is to have access. And you, I tell couples like you're literally not yourself in those moments. You're a smaller version of yourself rather than a whole-brained person who can think, reason, slow down, breathe, make different choices. You're you're actually a smaller version, a reactionary version of yourself. Um, and what the research shows is that in those triggering moments, the rest of your brain is locked out and uh, you're reacting. 
Wow, that's crazy. It's amazing how the Lord has wired the body, um, the way he's yeah. such a marvelous creator. And, and it's, isn't it interesting, like the more we press into what the scriptures calls us to, the more we actually understand how we're designed and why we're designed. Yeah. Um, but just, it just yeah. is this great reminder that we have a, an amazing creator who really does love us and is for us and has created us for success. Yeah. So we, we've kind of talked a little bit about how God's designed us, a uniqueness, how we work together as a body, how those things work together. But, you know, and creating awareness, like stopping the cycle. But what about in relationships when we just don't get it right? You know, so so much about continuing to labor for Jesus for a lifetime can be stopped, halted, or even actually cause people to leave leave following Jesus behind is the hurt caused by like interpersonal conflict yeah, or relationships. For sure. I know this is a this is a huge thing that we've we've got to just this is the place where we ought to do it best in the kingdom of God, you know, that we should be eager to maintain the spirit of unity through the bond of peace. That what's true of us is that we do diversity and unity very well. I mean, that's just not true of us as, as the kingdom, generally speaking. You know, Jesus prayed that we would be unified. I think he's still praying that prayer over his people. So I, I just would love to give you the floor just to talk about this idea of how can we be in relationships, but then also yeah. be able to work through relationships when we've offended each other or really hurt mm -hmm. each other. And that we do that in such a way that honors God, but brings restoration and tells the gospel story, yeah. right? It tells the beauty of the kingdom. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I, John, I think that you're right up the middle. I think that's critical. Um, I, uh, this is my part of my own story is coming back from China and having conflict with my ministry partner and not understanding what's going on. And it just, it was eating our lunch um, and felt so ashamed. I didn't want anybody to know like, oh, Jim Smith, the, the, the relational healing guy has got conflict and he can't work it out. And, um, and, uh, but boy, it ate our lunch and, uh, it made my, burned my wife out. She, and coming back from overseas and, uh, but God's used that to help me slow down around what is going on here and really looking at what's really happening with people. Um, I, uh, it's interesting, like Jesus, uh, when I read the gospels, I don't see many places where he actually lays out, uh, both a command and then how to do it. Um, you know, like you could say what people call the Lord's Prayer is maybe one of how to pray. But another one is actually Matthew 18, where he talks about how to handle conflict. And he's pretty clear how we're supposed to handle it. And I, um, you know, I don't see many places where we actually do what Jesus commands to do in conflict in Matthew um, 18, 15 to 17. Um, just, you know, first go one to another. If And the scripture, and it says, if somebody offends you, right? Like, it's clear, like, you're, if you're offended in that word, I looked it up in the Greek, it means offended. <laughs> it means like, you're emotionally hurt by something, somebody else. It doesn't say whether they intended to do it. It doesn't say, you know, uh, whether it was like, if you could verifiably prove it. And no, it just said, if you're emotional about it, like you have a hurt around it, you're supposed to go to that person. Um, and that's a command. So really, if I am hurt by somebody and I don't share with them that I'm hurt, I'm violating Jesus' command. And that's like a wow, you know. And uh, with that, too, uh, in Matthew 5, Jesus says, actually, if you know you've hurt your brother, leave your gift before the altar and go be reconciled to your brother. So it's commanded on both sides. Whoever's aware, 
If I'm aware of my own hurt or if I'm aware I hurt somebody, we're supposed to go and work that out. It's that important. And then he says, you're supposed to bring one or if it doesn't work out in that conversation, bring one or two more with you. It could be, you know, again, like you're hurt, but there's more to it. And it would be helpful to bring somebody else in to have more perspective. And, you know, um, and then if they don't listen to the, you know, that person doesn't listen to you or those two people bring the church. And then he says, if he doesn't listen to the church, let him be to you like a tax collector and sinner. And, you know, I know a lot of people interpret this differently, but I actually think, and this is just no license to be right here, but as I've thought about it, I think what Jesus meant there was tax collectors and sinners were people that Jesus didn't have much expectation for. Um, he realized that they were did not have a functional relationship with the Father, and he operated a little differently with them. So um, I just think it helps all the church to recognize it's conflict an unresolved conflict that we people enter into that shows where we really are in our relationship with God. And if we're not able to work it out with each other and somebody's not willing to listen, that might be an indication that they need more help. And they might not be, I'm not saying they're not a believer, but there might not be something functional in their relationship with God that we need to have a different expectation around that person and kind of come around them in love um, to help them. And so, um, but about conflict, um, one of the, another thing that I recognized was that if you take out Jesus uh, being tempted by Satan in the wilderness and Revelation where Satan is directly involved in human affairs um, and just look at the church age, um, there are four places where it talks about Satan directly attacking believers. And if you look at the context of all four of those places, it's all believers in relationship with one another that um, where wow. Satan attacks in the New Testament, it's clear that he attacks in the context of believers relating with other believers. And his only weapon is to speak lies. Um, you know, John 8, 44 says when he speaks, he lies, he speaks his native language. And what he did with Adam and Eve was to tell Eve, did God really say? Um, so where I see it showing up for me in terms of warfare is that, you know, I was in China and we had a stressful life. I mean, the most stressful life we've we've had to date. Um, I, my wife and I had a little argument. I'm leaving the house and I'm like, I'm frustrated and I'm grabbing, grabbing my kids. I'm, I have this electric scooter and I'm driving them all the way through town, which in traffic is not good if I'm frustrated. Um, I'm, and I'm thinking in my, that, you know, this thought comes to me, you know, she's always doing that to you. Yeah, she's always doing that to me. And if I were to slow down and really think about it, maybe maybe twice she might say something to me that in a month that I would get frustrated at. But um, but in that moment, it seems true. She's always doing that to me. She's always like, ah, ah you know, she's always on me about something. Oh, man, you know, and so I'm frustrated. Um, the Chinese that I'm meeting with that are my teachers are like they notice something's wrong. We have an English corner where we invite Chinese students over and I'm trying to minister to these people and kind of love them through my character, but I'm frustrated. They notice something's going on. My wife and I are cold with each other and it's destroying everything. And as I slow down later, I realize, man, I made an agreement kind of with the enemy who may have in that moment whispered to me, you know, she's always doing that to you. And um, that's kind of how I see the enemy attacking us and his involvement with us. It, it's, um, it's in conflict because when I'm, not at right with my wife or I'm not at right with my ministry partners, it just tears everything down. And Satan is pretty strategic in how he attacks. Um, 
those passages, by the way, it's um, Ephesians uh, chapters four through six when G when Paul's talking about relationships, and then in, he's talking about you know husband, father, husband with kids, husband with wife, employer, employee, slave, master, and then he has a, a, a kind of a, a a passage where he flexes to before he goes into the armor of God and he says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the powers, principalities in this dark world. And I always wondered like why did he have to say that? And then I realized well it's because that's how we feel like. It, you're, my enemy is not this spiritual being. It's my wife who's across from me or my ministry partner. Um, and then uh, uh, James chapter four talks about um, what's the source of quarrels and conflicts among us. Is it not our desires that wage war within us? And then in verse seven, he tells us how to handle it. He says, submit therefore to God, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. I'm like, wait a minute, in my conflict with people, why do I have to resist the devil? I'm like, well, that's right where he is. He's right in the middle of this conflict that I have with other people. First Peter 5 talks about um, old men and young men in the church uh, in conflict. And, uh, you know, that famous um, passages that says, you know, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your cares on him because he, uh, your worries on him because he cares for you. And then verse eight says for or because your adversary, the enemy prowls around like a lion seeking someone to devour. Um, and then the last one in second Corinthians chapter two, 10 and 11, Paul's talking about his previous letter and he's talking about how some people didn't like it and it really ruffled some feathers. And he's like, you know, but and they did be they did some dirty things. And uh, this is the gym translation. But then he basically says in verse 10 and 11, you know, if I if I have anything against anybody, I'm going to forgive him because we are not ignorant of the enemy and his schemes like unforgiveness is the strategy of the enemy. Um, it's unforgiveness between brothers and sisters. So which tells me he's attacking at the most strategic point that has mission essential uh, has this mission essential nature to it. And uh, so unity, slowing down, working through conflict is important for all of us. And it's important to the mission that we have. Um, it really destroys everything when we're not. And it destroys me. Um, I think my wife and I had to had to do some counseling and had to really work through some things from our, um, you know, our time coming back from China. It was really hard. I think at that point I was ready to throw in the towel. Yeah, man. Thank, thanks for sharing that. That's, I, you know, this is this real difficult thing in the kingdom where we want to make sure we're aware of the schemes of the devil, but at the same time, we don't want to give him too much credit. Right. But, but this idea of conflict and partnership and unity, it's so important to make sure we connect those dots. Yeah. That this is the place where lies are most effective and Satan knows that and he's going to use that to pull us apart. You know, just as you're talking, a couple of things came to mind. The first thing is, is that we don't have the option not to make it right mm. if we belong to the king. Yeah. Um, you know, so we kind of loosely mentioned Ephesians 4 earlier, be eager to maintain unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. You know, as God's people were born into unity, our job is to maintain yeah. that unity. We already have it. Right. So now we have to do a good job being stewards of it. So if I do have a conflict, you, you we, we made fun of that that word, you know, if, I, if I'm offended, that's all it means. You know, it's not, it's not this word with gigantic baggage, just man, that, that kind of bothered me. Okay. Well then talk to 
that person about it. So believers, we have to hold ourselves accountable to actually do that. And then as we're in community together, we actually have to hold our brothers and sisters to be accountable to it. Yeah. But generally what we actually do is we actually let each other complain about someone else together. Yeah. Rather than to say, hey, I think it's really important that you would go to talk with that person. It seems like you're really offended. I think it's so important that you would go and set that straight with your brother, your sister in Christ. And and even if you have the conversation, you say, you know, I can help you practice that conversation, but I just can't listen to you have that conversation um, and complain about it because we actually, yeah, we have to work through how to say it, right? We might need practice, but at the same time, we got to make sure that we're not just complaining Mm. or gossiping. Um, Guilty. And then if it doesn't work one time, it's not like, well, forget it. You know, well, it didn't work. They didn't listen to me. No, no, no. Like try again, you know, bring to her, bring, bring another person with you. Maybe you need a mediator to help you work it through. And um, so as you think about that process, it's, it's kind of this gift of God, but recognizing so much how the enemy's at work. I I love second Corinthians 10, five. That's one of the ones that you didn't mention, but it says, um, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and mm. make it obedient to Jesus. Wow. So how do I like take all of these things in my mind? She always does that. Like right. you're running out the door, you're angry with your wife. She always does that. No, no, no. I have to let the spirit help me take captive that thought and make it obedient to Jesus. And that's a lie. I know Beautiful. that's not true. I want to believe it. it. And I, I even actually want to kind of like blame my wife or blame yeah. that person who offended me when right. the reality is, is that no, I was probably being dumb. It was on me or we both were frustrated. And you know what? Sometimes it just is. No one actually did anything wrong. Yeah. Um, something, sometimes things just happen. You know, John, I found um, a, a little um, tool helpful in this place um, that ha- uh, it's called AB issues. Um, but if you have a ministry team or a, even a smaller, small group or, Maybe even a few people every now and then you can say, hey, tomorrow we're going to do A, B issues. Um, and what that means is that I go around the circle. Every person takes a turn. I say, look at John Snyder and say, John, before God, I have no A or B issue with you. You know, so and so before God, I have a B issue with you before God. And what A and B issues are, A is an emotionally charged issue, like a hurt and B is um, kind of like something that's come up a couple times, or maybe it's in our interactions. And I think it'd be helpful to us to talk about it just so it doesn't become an A issue. Um, and we just take, set up a time where we do this as a ministry team. And then everybody finds each other afterwards. We break up and we have those conversations. And then we have people on standby like, hey, let's come in and talk about this. And it's just a kind of a cleansing that we can do routinely. But what, what actually happens is if you say, hey, tomorrow or next week, we're going to do AB issues. Everybody finds each other beforehand because nobody wants to be that person in public says, I have an A issue with you. you know. <laughs> so it, it's really you helpful. Surprise people with a gym. Is that the plan? Yeah. Surprise. Hey, guess what we're going to do? You know? <laughs> I hate that guy. <laughs> that's awesome, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, man. But man, we've been on this really cool journey together today, Jim, where we, we really kind of talked about just recognizing how God's designed us differently, recognizing that we're emotional people, recognizing that God calls us into holistic worship of him and loving mm-hmm. him in a full way with heart, soul, strength and mind. We talked about the idea of being yoked with Jesus. You know, I, I you know, I think I'd share with you earlier, kind of before we mashed record was that. God just gifted me that verse maybe in the last four or five years where 
when I'm embracing the yoke of Jesus, it's not something that's meant to give me more work. Mm -hmm. It's actually something that gives me less mm -hmm. work. And it's only the work that yeah. I'm doing with Jesus and what a gift that is. And so mm. maybe the last thing, as we kind of close things down here, I'd just love for us to talk a little bit about um, the idea that, you know, we have rhythms and limits given by God. And maybe even the root of the original sin in the garden was we just said, no, we know more. Like God said you could have anything in a garden at Adam and Eve, anything except one thing. So is he a good God who had all these restrictions or is he a great God that placed a limit for the good of his people? Yeah. So I just wonder if we could talk a little bit about the idea of rhythms and limits given us by God, which which really says, you know, I can't do this. I don't have all the strength in yeah. me to get all of this work done yeah. for the kingdom or for God. Um, but God yeah. has given this work as a gift for me to partner with him in. But then also he's doing it. He's the one I'm in the yoke with and he's the one building his church. So I wonder if, wonder if you could talk a little bit about the idea of just rhythms and limits and how embracing our humanity helps us realize God's sovereignty and his power. You know, when, when I think of limits, um, I think it, you know, especially when you, you use the passage in Genesis two seventeen, um, that means I have to let another define for me what I can and can't do, like you said. And I mean, we all like autonomy. I want to be able, um, you know, it's tough to submit to somebody else uh, this decision of what I can and can't do. And that's really because, um, one, it requires a high degree of confidence in the person that I'm submitting to. But two, because I kind of know how I can preserve myself from harm and hurt. And I have to really trust another person for that if I submit to that. And uh, it's hard. It's hard to do that. You know, I um, I, I mean, I we always hear all the time how like... Uh, you know, how hard it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And um, not that that means they can't be rich, but um, I think most men, when they hear stuff like that, say, I can handle it. You know, I can do I can do it. And it's just that I know what's good for me and I'm going to I want to pursue it. I want to, you know, and uh, um, and, you know, and I, I think about why God designed a structure the way he did. I think of the Jewish holidays and seasons, you know, they had uh, this weekly, monthly, yearly, annually, every seven years, every 50 years, like rhythm uh, of in built into, you know, the Sabbaths, the Passovers, the feasts every three months, you know, every once every seven years, let the land lie fallow. And now once seven of those seven, the next year you call Jubilee. And there are these rhythms of, of rest that God had built in and hardwired, I think, because um, where I go is that he knows we wouldn't do it. We would continue to work, you know, like even the first Sabbath that they had, some guy gathered sticks, you know, on that, <laughs> on that Sabbath and he got stoned, yeah. you know, because, you know, he, he, he thought, nah, it's going to be good for me to, to go ahead and violate this. But that's where I just go back to, um, God wants us to be in rhythms of rest and work and rest and work. And we, he wants us to take him up on what he thinks those rhythms for us should be. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I love that Matthew 11 passage of coming to him and letting him tell me what my yoke is, what I'm, what I'm designed to do. Um, and I think it's a little unrealistic, you know, um, I kind of think a guy when he's about 26 to 32, he's starting to get enough data to crunch that and really figure out what am I really made to do? What has God designed me to do in, in life and ministry? Um, and so I give guys right. grace on the front end. I think when you're young, just get after it, get busy, get knee deep in ministry, you know, exhaust yourself. It's always good for you to do that. 
But as you get older, you start to have more data to crunch to be able to figure out like this Ephesians 2.10, your God's workmanship created in Christ for good works, which he prepared in advance that you should walk in them. And, uh, and that there's something I'm made for. And that will give me life and energy when I discover that. Um, you know, living out of the way he's made you and what he, he, before you were ever born, he had an idea in mind how he wanted to use your life here on this world. And he formed and fashioned yeah. you with certain gifts and strengths and abilities to achieve that. And so he knows, he knows what best way I'm going to be used in his kingdom. And I just need to slow down. And, but I think my glory seeking days, I really wanted to be used in a different way. I, I honestly, John, like I hated, I was mad at God. I hated that he made me sensitive. And, uh, I remember actually telling him things like, God, I hated that you make me sensitive, that I, some guy can hurt me and never intend to. And I have to go talk to him about it. And then he thinks I'm weak. Like, I hate that. Um, but then I've, yeah. you know, yeah. last 20 years, I've realized how important it is that him making me sensitive is actually a good thing. I am sensitive to what is happening in the room with people, between people, what's going on. And God really uses that as a way to kind of, that heralds something that's going on in people's lives, what I see. And I can follow that thread back and uh, meet with somebody and that there's a lot of great transformation that comes from it. God made me a great way and I have to be willing to participate with him in that. And slow down around that. So good, Jim. And and what a gift that is at this point in our lives to know that God has uniquely designed us and we have nothing else to do but to be yeah. what God has created us to be. And there's so much freedom in that, which then kind of begins to kind of let some of these boundary issues go away. You know, I I'm John Snyder, I'm not the creator of the universe. I have a small <laughs> part to play in the in the building of the kingdom. You know, contrary to my popular belief, you know, that I'm going to change the world. Um, I get to be yeah. a part of, you know, being a world changer with Jesus, you know. So, yeah, yeah. I, I just I, I think that, that, you know, as we had this conversation about really helping people have sustainable discipleship, you know, to walk with Jesus for a lifetime and give their faith away for a lifetime. You know, being in touch with why why we're wounded, what what's going on emotionally, knowing that God has called us to holistic worship and holistic love yeah. of Him, recognizing that we're going to have conflict, that all of those things that those are all things that can cause you to to burn out, to be burn up with anger, yeah, um, and maybe even to walk away from your faith and and to you know kind of like like you had these moments you know you shared like God why am I like this you know. Yeah. So we re I really hope, you know, to our ITH listeners and community that that what you're hearing is we want you to labor for a lifetime. And if, if you don't deal with um, what's going on in your heart with with kind of in the deepest parts of your body, um, you can only be as spiritually mature as you are emotionally mature. Mm. So and I, maybe we'll close with this, Jim. I give you the floor again. Just to, are there some good tools that we could give people? We'll put these in the show notes for folks. Um, there's an app and a couple other things that you might be able to do, but yeah. maybe some practical tools that could just help people. Yeah, right. Thanks, John. Well, what I, I mentioned before was um, the first step is awareness. Like if there are places that you find yourself either acting and behaving ways that you don't like or experiencing some emotions you don't want and you're confused. Um, you mentioned the mood and some different pieces like that, just to slow down around and get a journal um, and have a person that's safe for you to process with that you, you could be helpful to you. It doesn't have to be a counselor, but that would, that's helpful. But um, 
to just slow down around moments and capture them, take an emotional picture of them. Like what happened to me when I was feeling this way? Okay, this is what happened. Um, this is what I felt in my body. I could feel it clenching right here. And then what's, and if you can get to the third thing, like what is that warning me about? If I just had to maybe even slide a proverbial microphone up to that place in my body, what is it trying to tell me and alert me to? Um, just write those three things down and take them to somebody else and process them. Um, take them to the Lord and process them. That'll help you grow in awareness. Um, that's kind of the first step is just awareness. Um, I also think we are not good um, in the West by and large uh, in lamenting. I think uh, we're really good in gratitude, which is really important, like uh, to be grateful, to be, you know, in all things, be thankful. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Gratitude is huge and transformational. But I also think that um, in some things, there's a kind of a pre-part, uh, a part one to get go through before we get to gratitude. And you see that in the life of David. It's this idea of lamenting and um, just telling God how you feel, sharing with him all the things that hurts, the things that are going on, mourning loss. Um, you know, two thirds of our book of worship in the Psalms is David just having it out with God. Um, and being real. And if you want to see how these two work together, lamenting and gratitude, um, open up Psalm 13, just six verses. Read the first four and try to put yourself in David's shoes. What is he saying? What is he talking about? What is he doing with the Lord? And then look, read the last two verses, five and six. And just ask yourself, what happened between verse four and verse five? Um, and I think that's the power of lamenting. Um, that we, our hearts really need to connect with the Lord over loss and grief. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. You know, um, and uh, that's part of one, of one of the things that helped me coming back from China was just processing with God all the things that we lost um, and lamenting with him. And then uh, I think sometimes having kind of a structured way of slowing down something to help, a tool to help you learn how to slow down connect inside um, and to breathe. Uh, there's a, a lot of those tool, tools out there. I like one that John Eldridge puts out called the Pause app. Um, it's kind of a, on my phone, it's just a little, um, it's just a, a picture of a white background with a, the pause icon. And that, those are just little meditations to help you slow down five, three to five minute meditations to just breathe, connect with the Lord, there are a few of them that sound a little cheesy. I love you, Lord. You know, and, uh, you know, if you can get past some of that, um, they're really helpful. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. those are just three that I think of off the top of my head. But yeah, thanks, Jim. That's so good. We'll, we'll actually add all of those to the show notes. So you, folks, if you want to download that app, we'll have that for you. Uh, Jim, I, I can't tell you um, just what a gift you've been to me, oh, what I think a gift you've been to our spiritual family, just you becoming all that God's, you know, designed you to be and bringing your strengths to the kingdom. Um, you've Thanks, been a real John. blessing. Um, and I, I really hope it's been a blessing to our listeners and folks. We really do. We, we want you to be able to make disciples until Jesus comes back. And we've just found that um, it's hard. It's hard to continue with Jesus as you're hurt, as you're frustrated, and you don't know why. Um, so we just want to encourage mm -hmm. you um, to think about where does that feeling come from? Um, how has God designed me? How do I recognize my own limitations so that I can embrace that I can embrace God's sovereignty and his omnipotence in our lives? So, Jim, thanks so much for being thanks, with us John. today. It was a blessing and tons of fun. Likewise. Hope to have you on in sometime in the future.